Welcome into the Bear Down Podcast here on the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can listen to our show weeknights from 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The Bear Down Podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays right here on the ESPN Chicago app. And today, Adam, the Chicago Bears report to training camp. Football is finally back. I'm excited. You're excited. We're all excited that football is here. It's just good to see the Bears background with the brass talking in front of it. Justin Fields met the media. Poles, Eberflus, all the heavy hitters met the media tomorrow. The first practice Thursday, the second practice. Before you know it, we'll be talking about preseason games and overanalyzing snaps from Justin Fields and meaningless preseason games when he could be working on things that we're not aware that they're actually working on, but whatever, let's overanalyze. And then, before you know it, Chris, it will be September, and it will be the start of the NFL season. Yeah, we're about a month away uh, from that time, but uh, the next month is very busy when it comes to the Chicago Bears and the NFL. Many other teams have reported to camp over the weekend or on Monday, but the Bears report here on a Tuesday. And like Abdallah said, the first practice is set for tomorrow. Uh, I believe we will hear from Luke Getze tomorrow, uh, meet the media. So that'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about the offense and trying to figure this out with a young quarterback in year two. Uh, And Adam, before we get started with those who spoke today up at Hallis Hall, the, the one piece of news that we had yesterday on Monday was about Roquan Smith and his holdout from practice. Uh, he's there in person. Uh, some are trying to get cutesy with it and call it a hold in, uh, but he is holding out from practice, which is actually the noteworthy, newsworthy piece of this. Well, you laugh at it, but it's true. Like we're we're really dissecting the what he's doing here he's he's holding out for a new contract but he's there that's what it is but he's holding he's not participating that's a holdout yeah but the the difference is we need a new term for it no well we don't no you don't because well here's the differences the difference is they're trying to get their money right like the players know that because of the damages that they can lose and the money they can lose from not reporting what they do and what adam schefter said today with Cap and Jesse, is basically like, oh, they show up and they're like, ah, my hamstring. Oh, I got a headache. Oh, my tum-tum hurts. And so they're there, so they're getting paid, but they're not they're not participating. Pre- but remember, but if this was two years ago, or even a year ago, they, wouldn't ju- they would just not show up. They just wouldn't be there. Like Roquan and Robert Quinn would just not, they'd just be MIA. They would not be there. They'd be working at some off-site somewhere by themselves, posting Instagram videos of them working out to be like, look, I'm still getting my work in, but I want a new contract or I want to be traded. So it's it's a holdout. You're right. Yeah, that's what it is. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, Roquan Smith last year, he was on the second team All-Pro for linebackers. I thought he was snubbed from the first team. I think if we had to list off our top five linebackers, Roquan Smith is easily in the conversation. He's been fantastic. He was a top 10 draft pick. He is a player that Bears fans root for that we want to see on this team going forward. Now, the Bears side of things is they don't want to overpay for a player who perhaps isn't as impactful on the defensive side of the ball as some of the top earners on defense and especially on the defensive line that we see across the National Football League. Therefore, we have a contract uh, situation between the two sides. I think Roquan deserves the money. I think he is as good as advertised, and he's only going to get better. I would pay him, and I would, I, I would get this set 
and get him in the camp and get things rolling with this new uh, regime. Yeah, so would I. I think he's uh, he look. When you're as good of a player as he is, when you have all-pro numbers the last two years, even though you weren't designated as an all-pro, I feel like you can adapt. I feel like he's young enough to learn also how to fit into a new system. And he's a leader on this team. He's a leader for the defense. He's a vocal person in the locker room, and I feel like they need that presence. And so, yeah, is he there? Is his presence there? Will he be learning and everything? And, you know, he participated in all the off-season workouts, the voluntary ones as well. So he wants to be here. He wants to be a bear. And I know that, you know, what Ryan Pohl said, and we'll hear some of it of like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. But if you listen to what he said in the past about Roquan Smith, he likes Roquan as a player. I feel like Roquan Smith is one of the guys that Ryan Poles is like, I've done my evaluation on him. Iberflus, I've done my evaluation on him. He's a solid player, and we want him around. Now, the money is going to be tricky because the Bears are very pressed against the cap this season. So how does it work as far as a signing bonus goes and you know whether it's, it's converted into, into money further down the road or whatever? I have a feeling that they're going to get a deal done with Roquan Smith sooner rather than later and that he will be on the Bears for his next contract. Well, I don't see them letting him just walk away. Roquan is under contract this year for 9.7 mil. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. I agree with you. I think they'll get it done. Here's Ryan Poles, the GM for the Chicago Bears, uh, responding to questions about Roquan Smith holding out. Yeah, I mean, we've, I'm not going to get into the contract piece, but, you know, like I said about him, nothing's changed from my end in terms of how I feel about the player and, and what he can bring to this team. Matt Eberflus also talked about the approach with the defense without Roquan Smith here early in camp. Yeah, I think that we'll do we'll do like with any player. So if the, if a left tackle was out or or even you know play caller was out, we would just adjust from there, you know, and find the best available to us. And like I said, it's a great opportunity for the next guy up mentality. So you, you get experience there, and, man, that's going to be whatever the position, it's going to be really helpful for those guys. But if he's not practicing, does that put you behind the eight ball of where you wanted to be, at least just getting him, like knowing the calls, being able to relate it to everybody else, and maybe, like, does that matter? No, I mean, you know, it's going to be a situation where we're going to make the best of it, you know, and if it's a, if it's opportunity for other people, um, you know, in this league you got to adjust. You got to adjust and adapt and overcome. That's what we're going to do. So that's Matt Eberflus, Ryan Poles, as they met the media earlier today up at Hallis Hall. All right. I mean, like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. If he misses like 80% of camp, it's going to be a problem. But if it's only a couple of days and he's there and he's, he's buying into the team, but he's just trying to get his money, not a big deal at all. I am looking forward to this defense taking some steps forward under the tutelage of Eberflus because that's his bread and butter. And we look around the NFL. There's only two teams last, last offseason in the hiring cycle for ad coaches that win with defensive-minded coaches. Mm-hmm. The other was just upgrading a defensive coordinator to their head coach, and that, were, that was with the Saints. Yeah. Dennis Allen was already there. So that was impl- his defense, his system was implemented with the Saints as he steps into that next role as head coach. With Eberflus, this is all new. And what he had with the Colts, good, not great, though. And I think that's the difference is usually when you hire a defensive-minded head coach, you're hiring a defensive coordinator from a place that had, like, the best defense in the league, the defense that won the Super Bowl, the defense that took away the ball, like, all these benchmarks, and we see guys who then land head coaching jobs. Eberflus was just 
pretty good defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. with a defense that was never at the top of the board. And I think that's where I am vastly interested in how this kind of turns out for the Bears, especially on the defensive side of things. They were terrible last year on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I I think that you're right as far as learning the new system is where it's going to put the Bears behind the eight ball with Roquan. Their first preseason game is August 13th, right? You've got two weeks to get ready for this first preseason game. Two and a half weeks, they start camp, you know, uh, the first official practice is tomorrow. So two and a half weeks before this preseason game against the Chiefs. I would hope he's playing in that game, right? I would hope that he is gets a few snaps, that this is resolved by then, and he gets a few series before the starters are removed from that game, right? I would want that to be resolved by then. I think if we get into missing the first preseason game or missing extended time from that, that's when this starts to worry me as a Bears fan because I want him in there learning this new system and learning the play calls and adjusting to everything and and figuring out how he can continue to be a leader on this team with a new system and an attention to, you know, taking away the football and all this kind of different mentality that they have. Because by all accounts, Roquan Smith's a great leader. He's a great member of this football team, and he should be, you know, uh, around to be considered one of the better linebackers in this uh, long history of Bears linebackerdom, if that's a word. It's not, but I just made it linebackerdom for the Bears. Linebackerdom. Yeah, I mean, think about the history. Right. Like he's he could be up there. He can, he's not there yet, but he continues putting up the numbers that he does and being a leader on this team. He will be. Well, and okay, so let's talk about this because I, I had this question in the back pocket. Um, maybe it's a Black and Abdal topic. Maybe it's just a Bear Down topic. Well, maybe it's something. At six o'clock. Well, maybe it's something that's just Bear Down, and, and we don't really get it on the airwaves uh, on ESPN One Thousand on the show. Maybe there's just a podcast just topic, us, just for us. Well, let me ask you this: At his apex, is Roquan Smith going to be better than Lance Briggs? And then I would follow up, has he already passed Lance Briggs as a player? I'm not, and Bears fans don't start freaking out. I'm not saying he's accomplished more or he's had more big plays. Is he a better player than Lance? I always felt that, listen, and this is not, this is totally taking away from what Lance Briggs did, but I don't mean to because when you, like, Erlacher was so good, I feel like that Briggs' greatness was often not uh, put on the pedestal that it deserved because of Erlacher. Like, he definitely benefited from playing next to Brian Erlacher, right? Like, more attention was on Brian Erlacher than was Lance Briggs. That doesn't mean he wasn't a great player. He was absolutely a great player. And so I think that Roquan, not having the talent that Briggs had around him, could be better because he's the focus, Right. Like if you look at the at the, in in the, the the linebacker core, it's Roquan, and that's it. Like it's it, it's him. And so with Briggs, you had Erlacher and Briggs, right? So with with Roquan, it's just him. So I think yeah, I think he can. I think that if he continues to be a bear, they get this contract done, and he's here for a long time. Then yeah, he could definitely be better than Lance Briggs. Age twenty. Well, and and also let's look at the the players at the moment. I mean, age twenty four. Is the type of player that Smith was last year. That that was the 2021 season. He played in 17 games. He had 163 tackles 
He had 12 tackles for loss. He had three sacks. He had a touchdown off of an interception. Uh, so so that's the, those are the stats for Roquan. If you go to Lance Briggs at age 24, Lance played in 16 games. He had 127 tackles. He had seven tackles for loss. He had a half of a sack. He had one touchdown, one interception. I mean, if you just look at the stats across the board, at age 24, Roquan Smith had a better season at age 24 than Lance Briggs did. Mm-hmm. Now, Lance, in, in the following year at age 25, played in the 16 games. He didn't have as many tackles. He had 109 tackles, eight for loss. He only had two sacks. He did have two interceptions that year, also another touchdown. He also had two fumble recoveries and a forced fumble. So, I mean, Lance Briggs, a great Chicago Bears linebacker. I feel as if we should be holding Roquan Smith to a little bit higher standard Mm -hmm. and suggesting that he should be chasing down Brian Urlacher. Not saying he'll get there, just saying that if, if Roquan wants to be one of the best linebackers in football, I think that's there. I think it's possible that he could get to that level. Yeah, I think he definitely can. They just have to sign him, and he's got to be around. And he's going to get paid like one of the top linebackers. Let me see this. He is since, a top we're, linebacker. since we're in podcast form, we All can right. take a second. All right. Erlacher at age 24. 16 games played. Mm-hmm. Or hold on. Age 20. Yeah. 16 games played. This is the 2002 season. Erlacher had 153 tackles. So what did Roquan had? He had 163. Yeah. So Ro- Roquan more tackles at age 24. Uh, here, how about this for Erlacher? 19 tackles for loss. Dude, I mean, Roquan had 12. Yeah. Okay. So then we go to Brian. He had, let's see, four and a half sacks. So more sacks than uh, Roquan with mm-hmm. the three. Mm-hmm. And then what? He had the uh, one interception, one touchdown. And Erlacher at age 24 had one interception. Uh, no touchdown, but two fumble recoveries and two forced fumbles. So, I mean, li- listen, there are aspects of Roquan's game that is on board with where Brian Erlacher was at age 24. What's impressive, Erl- Erlacher too? was a, a number, uh, he was all pro first team that year, and Roquan was all pro second team. So, I mean, I, I think it's, I think we're talking uh, in the right ballpark here for Roquan Smith. Well, it's impressive, too. It's, it was a different, different game. I mean, you had teams just lining up and running the ball a bunch more than you do now. Sure. Like, you had, like, those tackles, I feel like Roquan has more because the ball gets to him. Like, the the players get to him more than they might have gotten to Erlacher and Briggs. You know what I mean? But still, they were all over the place. Like, Erlacher was flying all over that place. Briggs was flying all over that place. And so I feel like Roquan kind of plays, like, he doesn't get to the quarterback a lot. But he's got a decent amount of tackles for a loss, so I feel like he's, you know, I, he deserves this money, and I feel like it would, it would piss Bears fans off a lot if the Bears screw this up and he they end up trading him or letting him walk at the end of the season. Blake Abdal here on the Bear Down podcast Tuesdays and Thursdays. So uh, Justin Fields also spoke to the media today, Abdal, and it's the first time we've heard from Fields in quite some time. And he talked about what he's looking forward to improving on. This season, year two for Justin Fields. I mean, yeah, just with everything, you know, I think, uh, you know, last year, of course, me being a rookie, I was kind of thrown into there. But, um, you know, just 
being calm, you know, in the game, uh, you know, just being on time with, you know, the routes, the concepts that we have in the offense. And, um, yeah, just playing on time with my feet. So I think, you know, as long as I do that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have a, a good amount of success. So. You mentioned being thrown in there last year. Was that just not ideal, like, to not be there from start to finish? Was it not ideal? Not ideal for you. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, but, I mean, every situation you're going to be put in is not going to be ideal. So um, even if it wasn't, you're, you just kind of have to deal with it. Grody with the uh, question, how about let's answer that for Justin Fields. Yeah, it, it was not the the ideal situation. Not ideal, bro. To be uh, jerked around like that uh, with the starting quarterback position and, and having Andy Dalton be there taking reps when it could have been Fields the entire time. And uh, I'm glad that last summer we were out front on that, uh, being very vocal that mm-hmm. the Bears are doing the wrong thing with the rookie quarterback. And finally, it is adjusted to the point where he is the number one guy. No questions about it. And let's get this thing rolling in the right direction. I don't think people understand how much of a difference it's going to make to have a play caller who is going to call plays with a flow, right? Like, we all know Nagy was just kind of picking plays off a sheet and just being like, all right, it's like the kid that played Madden for the first time. Oh, I'm going to do this, and then I'll do this, and then let's try this one, and then let's try this. And there's no rhythm. I have a feeling like they talked a lot about timing, right? And Eberflus talked about timing and being on time. That's not like showing up to meetings on time. What that means is the play ends. You get up. The next play comes in. You call it in the huddle. You get to the line of scrimmage. The play is clear. You call the play. You execute the play. You move on to the next one. Like, that timing needs to be there, and it wasn't. How many times did the Bears have to take timeouts coming out of a TV timeout or, coming or like, or had to delay a game? coming out of a timeout because the play calling wasn't good and it wasn't coming in on time because these guys couldn't decide. First of all, for a while, we didn't know who was calling plays. We didn't know what the hell they were calling. And like there has, there's a flow. There's a system to this. There's a way to execute that Justin Fields knows having played in a pro system at, in college, right? Like being in college and being like, Oh, Ryan Day knows what the hell he's doing and coming here and being like, this guy has no idea what he's doing and doesn't know what he's calling or when he's calling it, let alone who's calling plays. And the phony idea that he had to sit to learn. Ugh, and it's like, get out of here. You know, and by, by the time they finally put him into the action, he was behind because they decided that that's the way they wanted to go. They didn't want to treat him as a number one starting quarterback. And then we saw the results last year throughout this season. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people also look at, at Justin Fields in year two and, and the type of development that he can make and whether or not he can show the league a little something different than what we saw last time. Uh, here's the question with the, with the conversation with Justin Fields about what he can show the NFL in year two. Justin, Justin, I think people around the league don't quite know what to expect from you this year because the way last year rolled out. Does that filter into you, like what people's opinions are, where people rank quarterbacks? And, and even if not, like what do you think you can show the league this year? Uh, no, that doesn't filter into me at all. And um, I'm not really worried about showing the league anything. I'm just worried about winning games. So I'm not... You know, trying to prove myself to anybody. I'm not trying to do this and that, you know, take opinions into account. I mean, my job is to, you know, win games and, of course, uh, make the playoffs. So I'm not worried about anything. Love it. Mm-hmm. Justin Blanken Fields. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because the league will notice if the Bears are winning football games. 
Yeah, of course. If the Bears are rolling off wins, if they're scoring 25 to 30 points per game and Justin Fields looks crisp out there, he's making smart decisions, and this team is winning, you know what happens, Bears fans, when this team wins? Oh, all of a sudden, they're on SportsCenter a lot more. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, there's live reports outside of Hallis Hall throughout the week. Oh, a 3 o'clock game instead of a noon game? What are you talking about? It's going to happen. And Justin Fields is aware that if he plays well and the offense plays well and the wins follow, Mm -hmm. all of the attention will follow with that. He is even keeled. He has been there. We continue to point to to the concept You just mentioned it, Ryan Day, Ohio State. That's the biggest platform you can have in college football. There are only two or three other schools that you could suggest have the profile same as the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Clemson Tigers, and the Alabama Crimson Tide, with an argument made by Georgia every once in a while. But it's basically those four schools Mm -hmm. run college football. There's no bigger platform than playing in Columbus, for the Buckeyes. He was the quarterback. He took that team to uh, the college football playoff. He has been there. He has seen it. He has been about it. This scene, the, the Chicago media landscape in this town is not too big for him. Mm-mm. Sometimes you get the bright lights and there's a kid in college. He's, he was successful at a smaller spot, maybe not ready for it. Not here and not with this player. And, and I think that's, that's it. That's the mindset. If you win... It's all going to be great after that. Yeah, like if, if they had won more games last year and he was better last year in, in those wins, he wouldn't be ranked in the bottom tier of quarterbacks. The Bears wouldn't be projected to go 4-13. and 13. Like, yeah, they were bad last year. They were bad. They still won six games as a bad team. So to make a progression and say, oh, now they're going to win eight games, to me isn't that big of a, 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 of a prognostication or hot take to make because – I assume that with Justin Fields and a better offense is going to look better, that they're going to focus more on a, a more uh, flow to the game when calling plays. You're going to see more running plays. You're going to see uh, not him not running for his life because they've got him getting the ball out quicker and the timing is better. And if all those things happen, those lead to wins. I don't, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that it's possible that both the defense and the offense move to, towards the middle. Yeah, in both uh, points per game. But that's all we said this right? season. Every, t- but th- that's what we said about Trubisky, right? Like that's what we said about Trubisky and Nagy when they were here. Is that we said about them? Look, the defense is like you've got this historic defense when they they had all those takeaways and all that kind of stuff, right? And they were setting records and everything. Like all you got to do is is be average, just be middle of the pack. You were dead last in almost every offensive category every single year. We're just asking you to be like twentieth, like just be in the twenties. Just be a little bit better. And they couldn't do that. So if you've got a guy who can actually play the position, understands how to call an offense in Luke Getze, and then with a guy who can execute the plays with Justin Fields, yeah, I know. They don't have they he doesn't have a lot of weapons. But he's been working well with Mooney and he worked well with Mooney last year. And sure, a couple of the other guys, they can catch balls too. And no, do they have a true number one wide receiver? No. But that doesn't mean you can't be middle of the pack. And if you're 15th or if you're 16th, that's progress. And progress is good this year. I'm not saying they need to make the playoffs. I'm not saying that they need to go to the Super Bowl. I just want to see progress. And progress is average at this point. And if you're better than average the year after that, that's when we start talking about going to the playoffs. 
You know, uh, something else I liked from Justin Fields earlier today, uh, he was talking about how failure uh, kind of fuels working hard in the offseason to come back to try and make that progress that Abdal is talking about. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. So, um, you know, who knows how I would have taken it if, you know, I would have had a great game every game. You know, maybe I wouldn't have that hunger still. But, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to work until – you know, like Lucas said, until we get that Super Bowl trophy. So um, as long as I'm here, you know, I think everybody in the building knows, you know, I'm going to work. I'm going to do whatever I can to help us win games, to help us, you know, be better each and every day. So, um, you know, uh, I think it's just failure pushes me to, to, to even go harder. So, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, that's really all I got to say and, and, and until we finally, you know, win that trophy and uh, get that ring. You know, the other thing that I kind of like uh, listening to Justin Fields, I know this is turning into here's why we enjoy Justin Fields as the quarterback for the Bears, and there's going to be some pushback suggesting that he hasn't done anything to this point. I like that he's taken the reins, that uh, this is his team, this is his franchise, and this is his. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, and let the record show here on the podcast, uh, you brought him up first. That's fine. Him and Nagy, you brought them up first. That's fine. Uh, show, show it record. Trubisky never felt, to me, comfortable being the guy, mm-hmm. the face of the franchise. Uh, turn off the TVs. Uh, look at me. Right? Like, the whole thing. It was just so whiny and petulant and, like, bro, you're, you're a franchise quarterback for a major market team. Like, I get it. Okay, he's a fine locker room guy. He did, I don't think he handled that that position well. And I know that there were at times when Fields wasn't playing well last year, he didn't really give a whole lot to the media, but I'm okay with that. Because no, I, I think that fuels him, and that's where we go back to that last question about you know the failure of last season driving you in the offseason. And I think that that's a good – I mean, look, you talked about it with, with, uh, with Ohio State and how you know when they – when they lost before, they came back and they still got to a national championship game, right? Like, they lost to Alabama eventually, but that year, nobody was beating Alabama that year. So, you know, to go and put up six touchdowns after getting hit like he did against Clemson was great, right? Like, that's how it just shows how he deals with adversity. So, saying that, oh, he's not a winner, he's not a winner, like, you don't, you don't lose games at Ohio State. Like, that's rare, right? And so, when you, when you they nitpick everything because you can't screw up in college when you're Ohio State. One screw up and we're talking about the, well, don't lose to Iowa on the road by 30, right? Like, and we're saying, well, don't, that's why you're not in the college football playoff, right? Because you lost to Iowa by 30 on the road. And so to me, you've got to, you know, when he looks at this and saying the, the failure is going to fuel him, yeah, sure. He can look at all the rankings. He, you don't think he's got, he's got social media. You don't think he's on Twitter. He's, he's Gen Z. He's on Twitter. He's looking at all this. He's on Instagram. He's looking at stuff. Good. I hope he does. I hope it fuels him because he's that kind of competitor. You don't get to be Ohio State's quarterback and go to the college football playoff and end up playing in the national championship by not having something that fuels you. And hopefully, you know, only winning six games or whatever it is that he was a part of fuels him into winning more and knowing that, listen, you're in Chicago. Like, if you win, you're going to be featured. And you're going to be talked about, and that's all you need to do. Also, understand the makeup of the player. The last guy uh, struggled at North Carolina, uh, non-football school before Mac Brown got there, uh, struggled to be the starting quarterback in the ACC. Justin Fields, since like age 16, has been ranked as the number two prospect 
behind Trevor Lawrence as far as quarterbacks go. Mm-hmm. For what? How many years is that now? How old is he? He's 22. Yeah. I'm going to 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, since age 16, 17, he's been the number two player in some spots, some recruiting sites. He was the number one guy behind Lawrence. Like, the pressure and the, the knowing of what others are saying about you coming into this, like Justin Fields has been one of the highest recruited football players in the last 10 to 15 years. You know, I heading out of college into his his freshman year at Georgia, he was labeled as, you know, as far as a draft prospect, Lawrence and Fields were two of the highest draft prospects entering college to then look at the NFL going forward. So, I mean, like, that's the stuff that I think is different about this player compared to the last player, where the last player was never that. He was Mr. Ohio and didn't get recruited to Ohio State. Hmm. I mean, let that sit with you. Uh Fields one more time on what drives him. Just, you know, just my love for the game. I just want to be great. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is my life. This is, you know, what I want to do for as long as I can. So um, this is my job. This is my life. Like, I don't know anything else. I've been doing this since I was, what, six years old. And um, it's just when you've been doing something for so long, you just, you know, start to love it more and more. And I love the failures that comes with it I love everything that comes with it because I know that you know at the end of the, the day like as long as I you know give my best and I know what I can do I know you know once we do reach our full potential like what we'll be able to do so you know just everything that comes with the game the failures you. you know the you know, wins everything I just just love it so why, why do you love the, hmm? the failures because it's it's come it, it comes with the game. So like I said, you know, you're not gonna always win every game, and you have to. If you're gonna love the game, you're gonna have to love everything that comes with it. You can't just you know love one part of it. Like you're going to have to, you know, embrace the failures. Like I'll take you back to an example in college, like 2019 when we lost to Clemson, the game ending uh, interception that catapulted us that next offseason into a whole different mindset. So just stuff like that, just, you know, responding back to that and just knowing how to respond from failures and stuff like that, I think, you know, that just, that just makes it even better. So, um, of course, I don't love failing. Like, yeah, we, we need to throw that back. I don't love failing, but, you know, you just have to, you know, be able to, you know, know how to bounce back, know how to, you know, get back uh, in that mindset and just, you know, get back rolling, like just drop it or whatever, learn from your mistakes, this and that, and just, you know, keep on going. Justin Fields also talked about working with the wide receivers in this offseason. Here's Fields. I think, you know, just being with Mooney more, uh, you know, just his work ethic, you know, and just his mindset on things, you know. Uh, you know, he would got drafted in, what, the sixth round, something like that, and just seeing how, how he's progressed, you know, these past two years and just seeing how hard he works. I think, you know, I think I've said this before, but, you know, he pushes me to be better. And, um, you know, I think we push each other, so, you know, we've – you know, got together a couple of times over the break, and uh, you know we would come here at 10, 1030 at night, just throwing routes, stuff like that, and just you know trying to get our time together. So um, you know it's just just great, you know, having him, of course, being the leader of the receiver room, and you know we're just trying to get you know, more guys on board. So there you go, Justin Fields working with Mooney in the off season, and I'm excited. It's going to be uh, kind of fun to see this offense hopefully come together over the next couple of weeks before the start of the season. Yeah, look, none of us think that uh, Darnell Mooney is a true number one, but that doesn't mean he can't become one, right? It doesn't mean he can't put up the numbers too. You know, you work with Justin Fields, you get, you know, you are given the opportunity this year, unless they somehow pull off a trade for DK Metcalf before the season starts, 
This is their wide receiver core. And right now, Darnell Moody is the number one wide receiver on the team. And so you have a chance to prove to the league that you are a true number one. I hope he does it this year. The players report today at Hallis Hall for training camp. Practice starts tomorrow. The Bears' first practice as a team as they prepare for the 2022 season. It's the Bear Down Podcast. This is going to be your best place to recap what the Bears do during training camp here on this podcast. So check us out Tuesdays and Thursdays right here on the ESPN Chicago app. He's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. You can catch the show weeknights from 6 to 8 on ESPN 1000. And the Bear Down Podcast each Tuesday and Thursday right here on the ESPN Chicago app. We'll talk to you Thursday for our next podcast here on the Bear Down Podcast.